to this week's Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson, and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we have Paul Whiteside. All right, Paul? Hey, Rob, you okay? Yeah, good. How's your week been? Yeah, all right. Busy, busy. Looking forward to Rugby League returning this weekend. I watched a bit of the Challenger Cup the weekend just gone. Thoroughly enjoyed it as well. Wakefield against Catalan. It's nice to get a bit of uh, live Rugby League on, on the telly and be able to watch it and what have you. But I'm looking forward to the, you know, the Super League uh, resuming again this weekend. How's your, how's the, how's Corona, the Corona environment treating you at work? Are you still, uh, still looking after yourself? Yeah, I've got a, a nice black mask now, which is a, a bit better than the dust one I've been wearing, so it makes me fit in the crowd a bit easier. So, so yeah, just plodding on really, mate, busy and uh, keeping myself busy and uh, keeping myself clean and sanitised and uh, doing the best we can, I think. Still using the old uh, mouthwash? No. <laughs> no, I don't use that anymore, no. It's too expensive, that Listerine. Bloody hell. No, I'm not that on the head. It's a bit it's a bit hot as well, isn't it, on your mouth. So, yeah, you're no, probably I right don't. there, mate, to be fair. I've uh, I'm full of work from home now, which is uh, which is good. good. I know it's uh, it's different because obviously you're in the house, aren't you? You're not in your own, you know, in the office. So you know, socially it's a bit different. But you know, so you got messenger, aren't you, and email. So you don't you're not totally uh, sort of caught from the outside world. No, that's right. Well, my wife's been doing it for six months now, working from home, and she's done all right, really. Fair play to her. I mean, she's had the, the two kids here, and you know, they they're a pair of buggers sometimes. My two running around the house like a pair of feral children, but she plods on and. It's difficult, isn't it? But you can brew it when you want, can't you? So uh, you catch up with your Netflix and that between between things. So I don't think you're just too bad. Yeah, I suppose it is different. Obviously, with, with kids, I've uh, I know people who have had Zoom meetings with like important sort of chairman of, of the company, or whatever, and had like three year old children climbing all over him. It's a bit. It can be a bit difficult to obviously, you know, uh, mix the the family with a with a with a with a work at times. I suppose in that situation. Yeah, I suppose it's become like the new. The new sort of norm. I mean, a lot of the houses I go in at work now. I mean, we, we work with a lot of elderly people, but a lot of people, you know, sort of our age and the forties and fifties and thirties or whatever, working from home. Lots of people seem to be working from home now, and you do you do hear all these sort of meetings that are on in the background while you're working. And some of them sound very important. Some of them sound a bit trivial. And but I suppose it's just become the norm, hasn't it? All this last uh, last six months or so, and you know, it's the way people have just got to adapt in it to uh, to life. Yeah, my only problem is when my me, me son's on Fortnite in the next room and he's uh, he gets like a victory royale and there's like a mad scream goes up and you're thinking, oh, don't, I don't scream like that when I'm on the phone. <laughs> That's what that mute button's for. You've got your finger over that already, haven't you? Yeah, it's a different, obviously, like I say, getting into it and uh, it's going to be, it's gonna, I suppose we don't know, do we, how long it's going to last, really? No, it's that's a million dollar question, really. I suppose, isn't it? It's, uh, it's gone on for a while now and has become some somewhat of a norm. I mean, hopefully, there will be a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Nothing ever lasts forever, does it? Well, that's the, the old saying, isn't it? We'll have to just uh, you just got to be patient, haven't you? And just just wait and see what unfolds. Yeah, and, and other, also another news. Well, my up went well, and so I have to see how I heal now. Oh, I didn't know you was having an up. Yeah, yeah, I don't. It's okay though. I'm, my scar look, don't look too bad, um, but I just obviously waiting now to see uh, see if it looks uh, looks good in the end. So other medical things, you're doing all right, all clear, and everything good. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, all it come back, come back good. So hopefully I can you know sort of carry on now, get back to get back. I suppose obviously I have to you know look after myself a bit and and keep uh, you know moving forward. But you know it's all it's all good in my cap. Back in training soon as well, then, mate. Back in training, good question. Obviously, with uh, with Corona in the gym, you know, and diabetes, it's not a it's not the perfect sort of uh, climate. But I'm starting to do walks now. I've started to walk about eight k a day, basically to the town centre. That's, that's good. It's not it's not massive. Yeah, it's not. Good. I'm not like a some kind of a Olympic walker. I'm not going at speed, but you know, it's, it's it gets you out and about, doesn't it? Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. I mean, I got into the back into the gym a few weeks ago with my my good friend Brian after we'd spent the last three months training in parks and all sorts of places. So it's nice to get back in the in the gym and do a bit of training. But uh, but yeah, it's still it's still one of them. You've got to be careful, haven't you? And keep yourself clean and you know distance wise and things like that. But yeah, walking's good for you, though, mate. And I'm I'm very pleased that you your up went well and you you're doing well. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Obviously, like you say, it's just a matter of uh, you know keeping active really and keep moving and. You know, don't eat as much. 
no Papa John's for you then, mate. Well, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. If I, <laughs> Go on, mate. Sorry about that. No, I'll say, if, if, I, if I, move, I move a lot, I mean, I can have a, a Papa John. You never know. Yeah. We'll have to see if there's any lying around the changing rooms when we get back. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously we'll talk about all the big news uh, this week and then we'll look forward to the, to the Leeds game. Uh, so what we'll do, we'll look at the uh, the big news of the week so far. So talking about the Papa John uh, deal, Super League have announced uh, that they've got a, a sponsor in Papa John Pizzas. Um, the big news is it's not it's free pizza for all the players after the game, uh, but no money. For, for for the for the for the sport, Paul. I think it's it's a difficult thing to to think about, really, because obviously you need uh, money to be put into the into the sport from these sponsors. Um, but is is free free pizza good enough? Without being rude, Rob, it's like you were saying before. You know, when you were talking about like these people working from home and the the kids sort of getting involved. It's like someone working from home and they've just nipped to the toilet and the kids just nipped on the laptop and done a deal with Papa John's, <laughs> you know, and they've, they've got these pizzas sorted. It just seems a strange one, doesn't it? But we had a similar sort of thing with uh, Eddie Schobart, didn't we, uh, a few years ago where they didn't, I don't think they put any money in, but they just had, like, advertisements on the wagons and things like that. So, so I don't know. It just depends what, how, I suppose we're, we're advertising Papa John's, aren't we? And they're sponsoring us. But what do we get out of that? Do they advertise us in their shops? Or do they advertise Supley? Will they advertise Salford Fixtures? I'm not too sure how the whole deal works. It just seems a bit of a bit of a strange one. But yeah, I suppose it'll save the, the club a few quid on uh, on pizzas after the game. We've seen them, haven't we, coming into the change room with boxes of pizzas for the, for the lads after the match. So every little helps, as they say, doesn't it? Saving. But it does, does seem a bit of a strange, uh, strange story. Yeah, pizzas after the games isn't new. Is it a new thing? Um, no. But for for me, obviously, Papa John's is a, is a is a is a big company. It's it's a national company. You'll get the exposure, which I suppose is is a, is is one thing. Um, but I feel sorry for sort of the local sort of pizzerias who have been been doing it. So you know, since time began, because obviously, what happens now? They've been you know producing this these pizzas for the, for the club. Uh, and the club have been obviously paying them for it, and that puts money back into the local local economy. So, I think obviously this this deal with Papa John's is a bit of a bit of a, a bad thing for for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we could talk about local economies, company, and people on furlough and shop closing and all that. So, yeah, it's probably another another kick in the teeth, really, isn't it? But uh, but yeah, I'm not really a, a pizza sort of expert, so. I don't really know where to where to go with that one, but um, I don't know, mate. What what, what do you, what do you how do you feel about it? I don't know. I I just, I just think obviously you, this kind of thing. It's all about how you how your economy works, and obviously the club use must use a local pizzeria to 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 to, to produce the pizzas. Or is the fact that you know with in Corona times they need sort of somewhere that's going to be you know super. Mm-hmm super sort of clean and, and not obviously maybe trans, transfer sort of Cronus onto the onto the food. So is it more of a, well, we'll all get the pizza from the same place because so, it's all the same standard. Is, is that the thinking behind it? That that might be something. Um, you know, there, there is shops around. There's, there's one in Presswich, uh, one in town, one in Charlton. So, you know, it's they are sort of a bit further away than, than you'd want. But I'm sure, you know, with the AJ Bell Stadium and the surrounding areas full of uh, full of potential, um, you know, places where you could pop put a Papa John, uh, you know, they could be looking at uh, putting a pizzeria there. You never know. You never know. There's an Aldi been sprouting up, hasn't there, next mm. to the, uh, the stadium? Is that open now? There's an awful lot of land there as well. So, yeah, down the line, you never know. There could be a Papa John's pizza there. And I'm sure many supporters would probably enjoy one of those after, uh, after a Salford victory. I think we'd enjoy one as well, considering we just plugged them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always <laughs> want now, don't they? Um, so yeah, so that that's uh, something to, to 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 talk about. Other other news as well, um, Paul. Uh, Leeds uh, CEO uh, Gavin, Gavin, Gary Heverington has uh, has mentioned that there is a possibility of, of fans coming back into uh, Stadia um, from the 30th of September. I know the, the government have said uh, they're looking from the 1st of October. He's, he's thinking that possibly because Leeds play on the 30th is an opportunity for, for them to be the, the trailbla- trailblazers. Um, 
it is only a month away. Um, corona rates are low. Um, but can you can you see that? Can you see us getting there uh, on the the first of October? I don't see why not, Rob. I mean, give it a bit of thought, really. I mean, if you look at the way things are at the moment, like sort of supermarkets and so set at the Trafford Centre, for example, you go to the Trafford Centre on a Saturday. You've got to wear a face mask, obviously, when you, you go in, unless you've got like a medical reason not to. I bet there's a few thousand people go there on a Saturday. So, um, regarding sort sort of solve when you take us for an example, uh, we don't get massive crowds, so I don't see why we couldn't sort of face mask. You know, put your face mask on, you know, sanitize your hands, do all the all the sort of personal things we do anyway. Perhaps not open the the food places in the concourse and you're not queuing and loitering around there you just come in the ground scan your ticket and go and sit down in your seat and to me you, you don't really go near anybody else do you and i'm pretty sure you could have maybe a row in between people or, or whatever or put stickers on on seats or like they're doing i'm pretty i'm pretty sure there's something you could do i mean i don't know that i'd work for a club like leeds i mean obviously their, their crowds and their season ticket holders probably quite a bit more than us uh, so i don't know how they're going to do that I think we solve it. I think we could probably do it um, just just by way of our attendances. But bigger clubs with with bigger crowds, that's sort of Warrington and, and Wigan, what have you. Mind you, Wigan another one. They've got quite a big stadium, so so I don't know. It depends on what what the capacity is going to be. Is it going to be sort of thirty percent of the ground, fifty percent? We don't know, do we? So I don't know where Gary Edison's getting his information from, or whether he spoke to someone at the government or, or whatever. And how do you sort of? Police that say you're Leeds and you've got 10,000 season ticket holders and only sort of 3,000 can go. How do you pick the ones that are going to go? Do you, do you raffle them out? It'll be interesting to see how it, how it works. It will, it will be interesting, like you said, Paul. Um, for, for me, I think it's just about logistics, really, because at the moment the players are in like a, a a kind of a, a bubble aren't they they don't sort of like sort of uh, con- make contact with anyone outside the, the sort of the playing staff so if you're adding sort of crowds to that they'll obviously the crowds will be watching the match and we see them after we see you know people after the game and fans after the game waiting for players outside to get autographs and take photos and stuff like that f- f- that can't happen so so what what happens do, do we just do the fans just go home because I, I can see you know that that not happening because people want to have a drink after and 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 talk about the match, or will the will the club just shut all the bars and say right off you go and not and not open the bars so it stops people from hanging about? It's things like that you've got you've got a way up because obviously these players are you know special. You know we we don't want uh, sort of the players to come down with anything, so it it will be interesting to see sort of what happens uh, in that sort of situation because rugby league it's it's all about community and, and family and it's great that you can sort of talk to players and, and get photo- photographs and you know autographs and you know it lights up uh, sort of many a youngster's sort of life when he sees sees his uh, his sort of hero come and, and have a picture with him. But you know in these times that that just not isn't going to happen, is it? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, by the by, the sound of it, no, I don't think it, it probably could at the moment. We'll have to wait and see what the government guidelines are and things like that. Like you say, people like to stay and have a beer after the game, don't they? But wait, things are at the moment. I don't think that would be possible. Would you? you'd probably have to just knock that on the head. And like I said about the the, the, the sort of drink things and uh, pie stalls, whatever they have under the stand. You know what I mean? The, under the concourse there, that would those be open? That would stop people queuing up. It's probably going to be hard to police that. You don't say stay two metres apart under there because people do gather under there at half time, don't they? Have a pint. So if you if you knock that on the head, you, you've eradicated that straight away. Regarding people waiting for players, I think that's a simple one. You've got security people on the ground and they can sort of stop people waiting there for the players because most players just come out, jump in the cars and, and go, don't they? So so yeah, it's not going to be forever, is it? I mean, it's like us. I mean, I've I've really missed speaking to, to what and doing the interviews after the game. I absolutely love that. It's um, something I've really missed over the last few months, and obviously. When we do start going back to matches again, I don't think I'm going to be able to see players face to face for a while, and that's just something we'll have to get on with. And hopefully, down the line, as as things move on, we will be able to to do that again in the future. But if we could get people into the the ground, I'm pretty sure people would sacrifice sort of a pint at half time and sacrifice waiting for an autograph just to get in there and watch the match. So I'm, I'm pretty sure 99% of supporters, maybe 100% of supporters would do that. So so uh, you just want to get back there and start supporting the team, don't you? I mean, we played a few weeks ago against, against Hull 
Um, I applied for a press ticket and, and didn't get one because it, obviously it's, there's a big demand and I was disappointed. But I did watch the game on the telly. I watched the highlights. I, I couldn't really sit there and watch it because it, it's not the same, is it? So, uh, so and I think supporters feel like that at the moment. I mean, it's great it's on Sky, but you want to be back there sooner rather than later, don't you? So if October the 1st is going to be the, the time to go back, I'm sure people would, uh, will love that and I'm sure they'd rather miss out on a pint and miss out on a pie at half-time just a bit again and see the game. I think the, the the problem you've got with that is you're missing out on that pie and you're missing out on that pie. That's what other club, that's what club, our club and other clubs rely on that income. So if you're shutting the bars at half time, so there's no food and drink, where did where do the clubs generate the juice? Because obviously they might as well be playing behind closed doors if they're not if they're not being able to to access that revenue stream. Do we do we get revenue from? I thought the stadium company got all our revenue. I didn't think we made any any money from food and drink. No, what what I'm saying, other clubs might though, might they? Oh yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. So the other, other clubs will be saying, well, you know, if I can't shut the bars, if I can't open the bars and open the food dispensaries, what's the point? Well, I think they're, they're going to get money for gate receipts, aren't they? I mean, you're going to get people going and paying on the door, aren't you? If, mm. if that's going to be allowed, or is it just going to be seen to go? These are all questions that the the clubs are going to have to work out, aren't they? And, and decide amongst themselves, and I presume to be having meetings with the RFL and, and Super League and, and discussing all that because it's got to be it's got to be right for them, hasn't it? Really, I mean, there was talk a week or so ago would the season be finished? Um, you know, with all this, what's been going on with, with, with the game getting postponed? You know, with our players self isolate because all is we, you know, God forbid something like that happens again. Now a load of players test positive. How, how is that going to affect the rest of the season going forward? So we've still got that. So I. I I still think the next few weeks is going to be vital to how things go. I mean, October the 1st, like you said, it's only a month away, but a lot can happen in sort of four weeks, especially this moment in time. So, breaking news, Paul. Uh, three uh, Catalan Drag- Dragons players and a member of their non-playing staff have uh, returned positive tests of COVID-19 uh, today. Um, that's, that could be a, a big, that's going to be a big story uh, in the Rugby League world. Yeah, our opponents in the Challenge Cup, aren't they, Catalan? Um, so what's that? Spanner and that throwing now. I mean, they're supposed to play Wigan, weren't they, on Saturday in the in the match before our game? So, yeah, that that's going to cause a bit of havoc in it with uh, with fixtures and postponements. And yeah, it's uh, interesting, isn't it, at the moment these breaking stories? Like I said to you uh, last week. You can't really sort of plan anything at the moment because these sort of stories keep coming out, don't they? And from day to day, there's another sort of breaking news. So uh, let's hope all the players involved are, are okay and uh, you know uh, we can move on from there. But no, that's that's bad news. Could possibly upset the the Challenge Cup. Obviously, we're due to face Catalan, so it might be another week off for us. Yeah, another bye to the semi-finals. Eh? Uh, yeah, I don't know it. It just makes me think whether the, the the season will be finished. I don't know. We said it the other week, didn't we? Can, can we carry on like this? You know, keep postponing things and the sort of uncertainty and everything. It's um, it's a real state, strange affair, isn't it, at the moment? So I, I don't know. We'll have to just watch this space and see what happens. As as we know, it's like breaking news, isn't it? We've only just. I've just had a look on Twitter. I've not seen anything yet, so it must be really sort of hot off the press. This news, but it's not the news we wanted to hear, is it? You know, another another team and you know being affected by it it does it does make you think obviously because obviously they had a special sort of um exception to the travel travel rule where they didn't have to sort of uh, self-isolate uh but now obviously with this happening uh does, does that possibly throw a massive spanner in the in the the super league world yeah, I think it does. I think it does. I mean, I don't know the the fixture plan for Catalan Dragons for the next the next couple of weeks, but how does it affect their game at the weekend against Wakefield? Do do Wakefield get affected by that now? Do they have to isolate? Because I know we did do it when when some whole players got got tested. So it's another conundrum and another another sort of headache for the for the powers that be who, who, who deal with all that sort of thing. So rather them than me, because it, it must be a bit of a nightmare at the moment. Says uh, that Wigan Warriors now will now play Castleford Tigers uh, this week, and two Wakefield players will will be required to self isolate uh, following their 
Um, well, they played him this week in the in the Challenge Cup, uh, but as as of now, the twenty fifth of August, uh, the Wakefield game against Warrington will continue to take place. So that's uh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, it certainly. Is. I don't I don't understand why why it's just two Wakefield uh, players. I don't really 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 get that to be honest. Um, no, very confusing, very confusing. But oh, I'm sort of uh, taken aback really by that. I wasn't expecting that when you've uh, just broken that to me, mate. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. It certainly is, mate. Yeah, our boys are all well. Some of our boys are back in training. Um, obviously, spending a bit of time in, in isolation, uh, which which is you know which is great. Um, other clubs, other players from other clubs have been sort of caught short um, and and sort of been found guilty of breaking sort of coronavirus rules that they place um, and kind of like the RFL have backdated their their um, two week suspension. So some players have played during that period, which is which is a bit strange for me. Yeah, I saw a few stories this week, and obviously we can't really go into detail because we don't know each individual club's sort of protocol. Do you know what I mean? You don't know what sort of rules they, they put in place, but it must be difficult. But on the other side of the coin, players are pretty privileged, aren't they? They get a decent wage for doing what they do. And it's like you've got to follow rules, haven't you? I mean, when I work at British Gas, we've got tons of rules at the moment. We always have loads of rules anyway, but with this going on, you do have rules and stuff you've got to abide by when you're going to people's houses and stuff like that. So it's. It's, it's an unprecedented time, and we've mentioned that time and time again on the podcast, haven't we? Um, when we spoke about the the situation in the world at the moment, you, you've got to you've got to adhere to rules, I think, haven't you? Otherwise, this this sort of situation could be around an awful lot longer. So, uh, so yeah, there's there's probably two sides to that story, but without knowing the insides, we can't really sort of have a go at the players. No, because obviously the players have took a pay cut to get to where they are now. So if you're going to start saying, "Oh, you can't do this and can't do that," then that might be a, sort of a deal breaker moving forward. Which is which is a you know a, a thing really you got to look at because obviously you know these players, like you say, you know they, they are paid you know a good amount of money, uh, but not as good amount of money as as a Premier League player, let's say for example. No, no, and that's right. And and like you were saying before about uh, the players in like sort of a bubble and that. I suppose they are to a certain extent, but they still will have to mix with people, won't they? Like the family and whatever. I mean, just say, take, you know, let's let's take a player for an example. I don't know, let's think of a name. John is a player who plays for whoever. His wife might have a job working, I don't know, um, in an office somewhere or, or wherever, somewhere where she's mixing with people or in a public sort of domain. And she comes home every night to him or she could work in a hospital or whatever. So then she's, mixing with him and, and this and the other so you've got that situation haven't you whereas a Premier League footballer or someone of that stature his wife or girlfriend might not work or they might be be able to sort of isolate themselves a bit more just because of the financial situation so I know rugby league it's a different sort of kettle of fish to sort of Premier League and Championship football isn't it and I know a lot of players do have wives who work and things like that, the kids might be in nursery or whatever so it's probably very difficult to, to cut yourself off from, from the outside world and and isolate and, and and stay away from people, as you say. I mean, when you say that word isolate, I get the picture of a bloke sat in a, in a dark room in his house, but it's probably very difficult to live your life like that. It is for a long period of time, obviously, because we're at the beginning of our season, aren't you? So, you know, it, it, to be able to say, well, we're going to do that for the next kind of six months is a long, long time, and it's to, to be so disciplined. People talking about, you know, corona fatigue. Now people sort of dropping off, not following the rules constantly. Um, you know, the players that are in the similar boat, I suppose. You know, because obviously they need to be able to to keep themselves safe, but then keep the families safe for the next sort of well, forever, really. Yeah, that's right. And um, without going too much into detail about the situation, I mean, I look at it, you know, sometimes as sort of a lay person, I mean, I'm no, like, medical expert on that, but I think a lot of the stuff that you, you read, I mean, I try and follow the rules as best I can, I'm just one of these people who wants an easy life, really, so if I'm going somewhere, I'll stick a mask on, because I don't want a load of earache, but um, when you look at things, I think sometimes the guidelines and things that the government say, they're very, uh, very contradictive, really, aren't they, and you sort of, you don't really know where you're up to some days, I mean, some places, some towns are sort of, have different rules to others because of their their sort of situation so it can be quite confusing can't it from, from, from time to time so uh, yeah the sooner we get to the other side of it and start improving things the, the, the better for me really but like I said you've got to keep following rules and 
do your uh, do your best. Yeah, and um, this week's game again, and Leeds is is dedicated to the NHS staff who have, who have done you know wonderful you know job you know treating the people who have have, have caught the coronavirus in in the last few months, and you know what what a fantastic job they've done. Yeah, certainly have, haven't they? I mean, uh, we're very proud in this country of our uh, our NHS that's been there for what, 70, 72 years or so now, aren't they? The NHS and do do a great job, doctors, nurses, anybody that's involved in that sort of uh, occupation. So, yeah, um, it'll be nice for people to say thank you this weekend at the match. Have they got anything sort of planned for the game, Rob, where they can. Or is, it just a, is it just a round of matches that's dedicated, or is it just our match that's dedicated to that? I think it's I think it's a round of matches, Paul. I think the club were asking to see if there's any sort of NHS staff who, who wanted to get on the the fan the fan cam, um, which I think so. Which I think is a good thing. We had the uh, Doctor Devil jumping about, didn't we, uh, on the on the last game? So I think I think because obviously because of a lack of a crowd, you know, having fans in a fans on the fan cam, it, it gives that little bit of something. It certainly does, yeah. And the fans in the stand as well. I've been very impressed with them. I mean, I saw the. Uh... Some of the, the well, I watched the match this weekend for the Challenge Cup game, but the, the particularly some of the games that played at Headingley a few weeks ago, it was great seeing all those sort of cardboard cutouts in the ground because obviously not only Salford, there's all the other clubs as well, and it, you know, it, it didn't look too bad. It didn't look like an empty stand, it, and the, the bit of the noise in the background as well. The atmosphere wasn't wasn't that bad at all, really. Yeah, as obviously, you know, people have spent is it twenty five quid for a for a cardboard cutout? I think it's uh, I think it's great. I did uh, I did that some bit of summit. It's just what what you do with them after after you know we're all about loud back in. Stick them in your garden is like a scarecrow. It's not what you could anyway. I'm st- I'm still going for the uh, you know put them in the uh, the east stand. That's what I think. Yeah, we had a few comments about that, didn't we? A bit bit negative, like, but yeah, I don't I don't see why not until we start. Until we start selling the stand out and we start winning trophies and what have you, and battering everybody every week, it's not a bad idea. We'll have to wait and see uh, see what happens with, with them, uh, Paul. Uh, Wild thing, uh, they've got uh, my face mask still available in red and red and black. Uh, look dead trendy, Paul. Yeah, they do. I think they look pretty cool. I've seen all sorts of face masks recently, and uh, James Oski says his um, his very nice one. That I think I don't know where he's got his from, but he's got that belting badge on from the from the eighties. Um, it looks really trendy, really cool. So it's better than, like I said, I, I've been wearing them cheppy dust masks from work, but I've, I've got rid of that now because I just look like a wallet. I've just got like a plain black one, but I do fancy a, fancy a solid one. Other bits and other bits of news. Um... Club have been busy asking for our opinions, Paul. Uh, they are looking uh, to see if sort of the image and the club how they can move it forward. Um, I think it's good. I think you know our image, uh, sort of outside our our bubble, is 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 you know really good um, compared to sort of the last few years. I think so, Rob. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I think a couple of years ago. And... It wasn't as good, was it? Our image, we were a bit sort of all over the place and scratching around for a, for a, an identity. And there was talks of a name change and things like that. And I think now, I think I think we, especially the last season, I think we've 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 got an awful lot of respect from the rest of the rugby league. And I know a lot of that's down to the the players and I think Paul King and Bleasy and, and the staff at the club and particularly Ian Watson as well. The way he's gone about his business and become one of the well, in my opinion, the best coach in the country. Um, and I think we've, we've quietly gone about our business in a respectful sort of way. I think, you know, we, we do things in the right way, you know, whether it's, it's transfers or our, our players or whatever. We don't go shouting our mouths off anymore. And I think that's the way to, to be. And um, I think the whole image of the club has changed. Um, I, I don't know regarding what the, the club are looking at there, but whether it's a badge change, change or whatever. But I think, the, the, you know, the image we, we've got now other clubs, I think other team supporters do, do seem to have a bit of respect now for Salford for what we've done on our sort of limited resources. Yeah, I think it's all about sort of brand identity, I think. I think it's about uh, keeping that momentum sort of going, keeping it sort of in a positive uh, sort of frame. And, you know, as we expand as a club, uh, the image expands as well, and and it kind of grows into into a much bigger uh, and, and better thing. I think it's an exciting time uh, for the club. I think it's great the club are actually sort of engaging with fans to see what their opinions are on it, uh, which which is important, because obviously us fans are uh, you know we're the ones that 
will support the club uh, through thick and thin. So we, we do need so the club will will value our our input um, in anything they decide to do. Yeah, certainly. Well, two, two things on that, Rob. I think in a way it's quite kind of unfortunate, really. I mean, we had a terrific season last year and a great run sort of the back end of the season to 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 finish the season the way we did. We got seven or eight victories on the bounce and a great playoff and the fairy tale story and the, the hard work to get to the grand final and give a really good account of ourselves in the grand final. And you come into this season with some really exciting signings and then yeah, we had a difficult start, but we were just starting to turn things around. And obviously this pandemic comes and and puts a whole block on the season really and, and, and halts our, our progress. So that's probably scuppered us slightly. But as you said there, it's great that the uh, the supporters have been been consulted because without the, the supporters, there's, there's no club. And, you know, sometimes I think chairman and, and people, not only in, in rugby league, but in other sports as well, they forget that. They do forget that, you know, supporters are important. They've been there a long time, some of them, and the club means an awful, awful lot to them. So, yeah, I think that's the right way to go to consult supporters. And, you know, it's their club. And um, yeah, hats off to the club for doing that. I think haven't you said before that sort of owners are only custodians of a, of a of a club, and the fans actually own it. Well, yeah, the chairman to me is custodian. But whether he's a millionaire, a billionaire, or whatever, he's looking after that that club, and it's his duty to look after that club. He's like a caretaker of the club. That's that's my opinion, anyway. Mm. And your supporters, all right, they might not be the billionaires who. Who, whose name is above the door, you know, like a pub, they own it. But it, for, for me, a supporter is always going to be there. Supporters in it for life, aren't they? And they you should, as a, as a chairman or a custodian, you should look after that club for those people. And I think the way our setup now is, I think that's the way it's run now. And um, I, I wish every club was the same and, and was run like that, but obviously some aren't. But I'm pleased the way ours is run at the moment. And I think it's run a lot steadier. I think the supporters are a lot happier than what they were. And um, it's been great to see. I mean, it's probably difficult. You could get Paul King and Bleasy in a room now and they'd probably say, yeah, it's not easy. It's probably very difficult to run Salford on the the budget and the finances that we've got. But, no, we, we I think we're doing OK at the moment. Yeah, I think the way we run it is fantastic. I think other clubs sort of look at our model and, and sort of think, well, Salford are doing it right. Let's see if we can, we can sort of... Do something that's that's similar. I know. I think Castleford looking at, at doing uh, a similar thing through with their um, sort of like college teams. You know, mixing it with the education. Oh, Ian Blees is is a big fan of of, of um, blending the educational side with with the playing rugby side. And and I think other teams are looking at that and looking at Salford's sort of success in that and thinking, you know, we, we could do something similar. And that and that's an important thing moving forward because obviously being a community club which is what we are, you know, we want to be out in our community and giving opportunities to, to, to young sort of kids sort of out there who might not, you know, get the opportunity or might not have been able to, to reach the, the heights they wanted to and Salford might give them the opportunity to, to for a second chance. Yeah, I think that, that's, that's vital. I think for any youngster who's sort of 18, 19, or even a bit younger than that, you know, to, to be coming into to play rugby league, I think you've got to combine it with an education, or maybe not just education, but sort of life skills, or if you're going to be doing some sort of apprenticeship or or something else as a, as a background, because even if you do make it as a rugby league player, you're not going to be doing it for for the rest of your working life, are you? So, I think that that's that's a good thing for me. That and also it keeps players. And, and young lads grounded as well, doesn't it? And uh, it fills the time up because if you are playing rugby, you've probably got quite a bit of spare time on your hands. So I think the education thing and the way that goes, I, I'm all for that. I think I think that's great because, like we said, not everybody makes it in the sport, and you do need something to fall back on because we've seen players come through before, youngsters, and and they, and they sort of drop out of the game, don't they? And as long as they drop out of the game and they've got something, a cushion there for them to to work on. I mean, uh, the education side's a good thing. Yeah, so obviously the club are asking for for our feedback for for stuff. I think the actual deadline's gone now, Paul. Uh, but just for fun, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll go through the questions and the answers and, and see what we you know what we give. Um, the they're asking for the best sulphur devil moment um, for me uh, would have been the million pound miracle for me. I know it was you know a, a point of you know we could have got relegated and but it was a beautiful moment where which where we took the right. Uh, route we had we had an option where the the club 
could have gone if we'd have got beat and we got relegated there would have been a big possibility the club would have gone under but for us to to win that game and obviously go on a different journey um show for me you know it was really really sort of important and a big moment because obviously before that million pound miracle our club has always kind of like just about managed and we've 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 you know struggled and we've been a bit of a yo-yo club but from that point on we've gone challenge cups semi-finals we've gone you know, grand finals, and, and from that point, it's been a an upward, you know, upward move movement from from the club, both on and off the field, on and off the field. So uh, it was a, it was a pivotal moment in 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 our club's history, and and a, and a, a super moment uh, for us fans as well, because obviously the the agonist to ecstasy, you're never gonna you're never gonna be better that uh, at all. It doesn't matter what sport you, you're involved in, from from where we 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 were sort of a minute and a half. Towards the end of the game, to to where we were when we actually won the game, it was two poles apart. So uh, it was a journey for us fans, and and from that point on, it's been a journey for everyone. Yeah, it certainly has. I mean, the, the season after we did terrific at the world, didn't we? Get to the cup semi final. I think we had a bit of a blip in two thousand eighteen, didn't we? We we sort of struggled that season, and we lost some big players, didn't we? You know, some Michael Dobson left, didn't they? And a few other guys, and that was a bit of a bit of a struggle season for us really wasn't it? in the middle eights and, and what have you but we navigated through it and obviously last season was, was tremendous but yeah I don't think I think that million pound game is one of those sort of once in a, a lifetime sort of thing really I mean Man City had the, the, the Gillingham sort of playoff final didn't they and United had the the, the Champions League final against uh, Bayern Munich and I think that was ours wasn't it against uh, against Kingston Rowers scoring you know two tries and what just over a minute or so? I mean, I don't think you'll ever see something like that again. I think it's just one of those, one of those moments in sport. And yeah, it was it was a fantastic day, a day that I'll never forget. I can still remember it dead clear, and I think that's that's the most pleasing thing. I can still remember exactly where it was and how I was feeling at the time. How I felt on the way home. How I felt on the way there, and it was a, it was a great day. But a day, I don't, know, I don't really want to go through one of them again. <laughs> Because of my nerves and what have you, but yeah, it was it, it's something that I always live with me. It was it was a it was a fork in the road where our club went the right way. When before we we might not have done, but at that point we 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 whatever it, whatever it was and and why it happened and and how it happened, we 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 picked the right we picked the right road, uh, and now I think that our sort of recent success has has has, has proved that. Well, yeah, I mean, the Salford I grew up with um, always seemed to flatter to deceive and blew it on the big occasion. And that Salford changed that day for me. I mean, the, the old Salford I grew up with would have lost that game, would have got relegated and probably had a decent season the next year and, and come back up or whatever. But it changed that day. Something something clicked and, you know, we were the winners for once and we, we got out of jail, didn't we? But you make your own luck, don't you? And, We've not done that very often. We've not really seen that much success over the years, and it did all. We didn't win anything that day, you know. Like you said, after that, we've still not won anything, but we've 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 challenged and we, we've got better. And I thinking back, like growing up watching Solvay, we've we've been hammered and we've had all sorts of disappointing days and ninety points at Bradford and stuff like that. Those days, I was saying this to, to James Oskerson a few days ago. Those sort of really really disappointing, horrible days that we've had. Seems to have become less and less over the last couple of years. We've not had those batteries. We've still had a few defeats, haven't we? But we've not had those 60, 70, 80 point hiders. They seem to have become really rare now. So long, long may that continue. Long may that continue. We might not have won anything physical, Paul, but we we learned how to win when the chips are down. And that and that's the important thing. It certainly is, yeah. And I think we've also laid quite a few goals to rest, you know, the likes of going to Wigan and, and, and stuffing them and beating Leeds away from home and, and, and winning some really big games and Hull away from home and, and putting these these big sides who spent an awful lot of money, Warrington's another one, we, we've put them on the backsides in their own backyard on a number of occasions as well and we've done it quite consistently under Ian Watson and, uh, you know, the players and, and Watson, you know, deserve a massive pat on the back for that because they've, they've punched well above the weight the last couple of years and, and that's not that, that's not being disrespectful to them either. I think there's the sides in there who've got some really big international players and spent loads and loads of money, and and we we've matched them. We really have, so we we should be proud of that. 
Yep. Um, next question was, what was your, what was your favorite shirt? Um, I'm going for, I'd probably go for the 1990 one or the 1986 one, the one with the stripe across the chest. The ESAB one was, was a good one as well. Um, but yeah, you look through the, uh, the, the, the ages and some of the, the shirts that we've produced, Paul, uh, you know, they are, some of them are very good. Yeah, they certainly are. I mean, I've still got my 1997 red one. Um, that's probably one of my favourite ones, to be honest. I, you know, uh, that whole kit, I like that kit. It was a, it was a nice one. So, um, I think well, probably my favourite ones, though, my first one I got, like the, the white stripes across the chest, like you say. The I got that in about, we had that kit for a couple of seasons, I think. I got it about 87, 88, the one with the old trenchman lining on it. Yeah. Became Cambrian soft drinks, I think, didn't it? And it was a Hal Bro, the, the shirt supplier. So I think that was a classic one. But, uh, I'm trying to think of other shirts. I'm not really paying attention to shirts the last couple of seasons. But no, I think the sort of old ones growing up were, uh, were, were special ones, really. I suppose everyone has their own sort of shirt, but maybe the first one that they bought or the, the first one that they've worn. Um, and you know it's it's you know it kind of like in trade is sort of put into your into your psyche in it that you you pick that shirt up and think oh you know I remember wearing this and it, and it all the memories come flooding back. Well, I've still got the original scarf that I first got when I was like four or five year old when I first joined Junior Reds, and I still take it to the games now. I mean, I mean it's it's faded now, but. I, I thought I'd lost it a few years ago and it was in the back of my car. I absolutely <laughs> panicked like mad because I've had it for, what, 30, 33 years, 32, 3 years. So, yeah, that you do, you remember stuff, don't you? And from when you first started watching them and you get nostalgic for things like that. And I've still got my, my first shirt and uh, my daughter has it now and she's growing out of it now. So I'll keep it and you never know, I might be able to give it to a grand, grandchild one day. But yeah, you do, you do get nostalgic for your first sort of stuff and you can remember buying shirts and, and when you got them and things like that from when you were kids. So uh, so yeah, it, I go, I, I mean, like I said, I, I don't really buy shirts anymore or I mean, perhaps I should do. I've still got the odd, the odd few that I've collected and what have you, but I wouldn't say I, I dash out and, and buy the shirt like I, I used to do when I was a kid. I know, but it is a kind of a an income revenue stream for the club. I I do buy the odd one, um, but yeah, I bought the uh, was it the Magic Weekend one, uh, the one with the Manchester B. Uh, I got that one. Um, I do I do buy them, um, and some of them are very good. Yeah, they certainly are. Yeah. Uh, next question. Um, I've got best player that you've seen in a Salford shirt. Uh, I'm going for well, I'll go for Gavin Clinch, uh, Clinch the pinch, or Jackson Hastings. I think both were very important to us um, during their periods at Salford, which either took us to the next level or, or you know, I think with Clinch we we'd been relegated uh, the the year before, and he, he and Cliff Cliff Beverly sort of ran the show, didn't they, for, for, for 12 months, but particularly Clinch, because he was the, the general, he was the, the guy that, that, you know, got us around the field and he was sort of violently attacked most games um, right. every week, really, <laughs> in that in that season by big yeah. forwards. But he kept bouncing back and, 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 keep, and kept playing uh, rugby the right way and, uh, you know, he, he proved that by, by taking us up. And even the season after when we got up, he, he did a great job, you know, in in Super League, keeping us there and, and being you know the play at the right, being there at the right moment, um, and also obviously with Jackson Nations, we know you know what happened with Jackson Nations coming to us uh, you know, off the off, off the back of his NRL experience and going from from zero to hero in sort of eighteen months and and creating this this you know being part of this fantastic team that that goes all the way to to the grand final producing sort of fantastic rugby and, and memories that you know only us fans could have really dreamt of uh, you know at the beginning of his his, his career at Salford so yeah i think them two uh, for me uh, would be would be a would be that my best uh, player at Salford yeah i don't think you can argue too much with uh, with us especially Jackson Ace is a very very special player and the things he did Particularly last season, to I, I don't like to praise him too much because I don't think it was a one-man show last season. I think there was an awful lot of other players who who put their hands up last year, but he sort of rallied him and he was very influential um, attacking defence and the way he led the team around the pitch and just the little things he did off the ball and the belief that he gave everybody else. So I think he's a special player, Jackson Aston, and he had a special season for us last year. But 
I don't know. I can't really name me sort of best ever player because you know, I've seen a lot and there's there's a lot of sort of favourite players. I mean, I, I always thought Gibbo was a tremendous player, tremendous, tremendous player. Steve Blakely, brilliant standoff. And how he didn't play more international games, I don't know. Um, great to watch on it on his day with his sidestep and things like that. I mean, guys like Malcolm Olkin, no matter matches he played for Salford and particularly the way he, he, he sort of came back from injuries like the bionic man and, and played such a brave guy and he rolled his hand up every week to, to play so he's dead hard to, to, to nail one person you've always got your favourite players I mean guys like Tex Evans as well I mean probably not the, the greatest ever player in the world but one of my favourites Nia Levels as well another one of mine and Chris Wellham another guy who I've got so much time for so yeah, I, I couldn't argue with, with Jackson Ace and those being up there. I think he's a, a very special player and international player as well, isn't he? So uh, we was we was lucky to have him last season. Just a shame he, he, he couldn't have stayed a bit longer. But you never know. You never know what happens in the future. It's a, it can be funny sometimes the way people come back to clubs and that. Not that, not that I'm starting a rumour, but <laughs> you, never, you never you never know, dear, what happens. So we'll see. You heard it here first, Paul Whiteside. Ace is going back twenty twenty two. After a, after a we'll stint see. in Australia, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, other 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 questions. Uh, best Salford badge uh, for me. Uh, it'd be I've got nineteen eighty six kind of the round uh, badge with a devil um, in the in in the middle of it with the with the rugby sticks. Uh, yeah, devil looks a bit mean, but it is sort of twenty twenty. You know, kids aren't scared of of, of badge devils in twenty twenty. I don't think. No, quality badge that as well. I've just got mine off um, off James. He sent me mine through the post the other day. Um, you've been advertising them on the Facebook page, haven't you? Yeah, the, they, they are, they are very, very good. Yeah, they're really, really, really good. And it is a good badge that. I mean, uh, when I got my first Salford shirt, you had to buy the badge separately and my grand sold it on for me, that badge. And that's the one I've still got. So that, that probably is my favourite badge. I think that's the best badge we've had for a while. But the the, the badge we had in '97, that I know it wasn't really a badge. It just said this, you know the Salford Reds one with the with the R on the Reds, like quite a, it was quite an iconic badge. I thought I thought that that time we had a, we had a nice kit around them. But no, for me, like I'll go with you on that one. I think the the Devil badge is uh, I thought it was quite iconic. That we'll put James's badge and Papa John in the same pile. Yeah. <laughs> Free pizza and a badge that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, other other questions you want to ask Paul? Um, what made you become a fan of of, of Salford? What 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 does it mean to you? Uh, well, you have to wait to read my book, and you'll find oh. out. <laughs> uh, what made me become a fan in the first place? My dad. Well, what what uh, what does it mean? Dad. What was it? What's it kind of mean to you? What was you know to be a Salford fan? What what's it all about? Without sounding a bit corny, it's just your way of life, really. Isn't it? You don't really, I don't really think about it because it's not something. It's just like getting up in the morning, isn't it, and putting your trousers on. It's just what you do, isn't it? So uh, you'd be lost without them. You really would be lost without them. It's been that's been difficult the last six months, you know, without a game. It's it's weird, you know, it not being there. So it's something I'd never like it not to be in my life. Um, I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I didn't have it. So yeah, I can't really put into words what it means. Like I said, you'll have to read my book. <laughs> I think it for me, it's it's the sort of the friends I've made. Um, sort of the family, sort of feeling among, amongst all, all sort of the fans. It's the humanity. I think I think everyone's kind of one part of one big family. Obviously, when when we we when I started going early doors, it was sort of me and my sort of my crew, my mates, and we'd all go on the train together and have a beer together in a pub, and then we'd all stand together, and it was just it felt like a, a, a sort of big family. Yeah, times have changed now. We've, we've you know we're not all on the same train, and you know we've all got family now, so it's not the same as it was. But you still have that feeling, don't you? That that you, you went, yeah. you, you're still watching Salford together. You're still you know enjoying you know w- you know what the club's become, and and really the club has has, has sort of improved. It is more of a, a family club now. There's there's, there's more sort of uh, sort of families go, and and it's it's sort of 2020. It's what rugby league is. It's it's what rugby league wants to be it wants to be a, a a family sport that you know attracts families from all over sort of the uh, the the local area from different you know uh, backgrounds and 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 you know that's what the club i think it's 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 going in the right direction and and attracting these these new fans and it's it's good to see just going back to the the club i think it's it's funny really i think the club's very iconic for me 
I mean, I know that we've not sort of won trophies that, that certain other clubs have won, but I think that the club is very iconic. And in a way, it's a bit of an enigma. I mean, if you go back to the, the sort of the glory years of the, of the 1970s and, and things like that, I, I always look at stuff and I, I get really gutted sometimes that I can't really watch the footage because it's not available of such a, a great time in the, in the club's history. It's very difficult to see, but I listen to the, the stories that my dad tells me and, you know, he paints a really good picture and you can sort of imagine being there and you look at the programme and see the old photographs. And for me, I've always got an awful lot of joy watching Salford being with my dad and looking at his face when, when they get a good win, and particularly in the, the, the playoff game at Wigan last year. Um, just seeing what it meant to him to get to a grand final, for me, that that gave me so much pleasure. And, you know, being going to Ireland games over the years with him where he's been let down and we've come home and we've been disappointed and he, he's been really upset about stuff. And, you know, he's not cried that out, but I can tell he's been upset and he, they've let him down. And just to get to that grand final and walk out with Old Trafford and see what it meant to him, that, that for me was... He, he didn't really bother about the result then because I was so happy just being there and, and, and just being able to experience that. So for me, that when you ask me what Salford means to me, it's it's family and it's it means so much to you, that, that club and it's that struggle to, to get success and that chasing the impossible dream that you're always after and, you know, just sort of getting there and every sort of season you, you dream about getting to Wembley. And all right, we've not got there yet, but that dream's alive and I think that's a really sort of healthy thing to have in your life. Is it is it us against the world kind of kind of thought process here? Or? No, I, I don't. I think it has been. I mean, I, I spoke to my dad about things in the past, and he said, "Oh, yeah, we we got robbed here, and you know, we got robbed in this match." And you, you read stuff and you read reports, and you think, "Bloody hell, they did get robbed in that game there." And, it, and I can think of games where I've been to, and you think, "Blimey." We didn't have come up short in that game, you know, something got disallowed and, and what have you. I think, yeah, in my time watching Solver, I think we've had the rough end of the stick an awful lot, but I'm not one of these people who sort of thinks, you know, the old world's against us. I'm, I'm not. I, I perhaps used to think like that, but I have mellowed a bit as I've got a bit older. But um, no, I don't think it's us against the world. But I still think there's certain hierarchies in the rugby league that don't really want us to do well. I think rugby league has a, like a cartel of teams that they like to, to do well. I mean, go back to the grand final last year. I mean, I'm not having to go at St. Helens in any way, shape or form, but they get everything in that grand final, <laughs> didn't they? They got everything. And, and, and it, 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 they were a good side, aren't they? And, you know, but it was one of those games where we didn't get a decision, did we, for the whole game. So, But I'm not bitter about it. I'm, I'm not at all. You'd be stoking the fires, Paul, of the people that believe there's an agenda. <laughs> I know we're on, on Twitter... I, been advertising the the Challenge Cup and and Salford player isn't isn't on the is on the promo. Um, it's 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 an interesting thought process really because it's not the first time that we've been kind of uh, pushed to the back. Let's say in in these uh, promos, um, you know, various uh, sort of Super League promos where they all line up. We're always towards the back end uh, of of these uh, pitches. Um, you know, I I don't think it is. I think you know people will look at it and think, "Oh, it could there could be something in it," um, but it's, it'd be very hard to prove. I saw you start that little thing on the, on Facebook the other day. <laughs> no, I saw it. I thought, "Yeah, he's stoking the fire." <laughs> and, and, and a few people commented, my, "With my opinion, I mean, I, I never noticed. To be honest, I don't really look at stuff like that. You know, perhaps it's my eyes. I didn't notice there wasn't a solver player on it. But I looked at the letters, and there wasn't that many letters, was there?" to put all the teams on anyway. So I don't know. I think, yeah, I think in a way you're right. I mean, we're probably not the most fashionable club. Um, people sort of look at sort of the bigger clubs, don't they? And, you know, the likes of Warrington and the teams that do all the singing and all the dancing. But I always think of us as being a fashionable club. We come from a fashionable sort of place. I mean, how many other Super League clubs can have got the sort of music and the culture that's come out of Salford over the years and there's probably not many really I mean you look at all the famous people that's come out of Salford we're a cool place aren't we and I mean I'm pretty proud to support them anyway it's better than being from Castleford isn't it I mean what's ever come out of Castleford and Wakefield and well, I think with, like, with Castleford being, though they, they, are, they are a town aren't they that's yeah, just has the rugby, yeah, right. rugby league in it Salford is, is, is like a big city but also it has Manchester on its doorstep, but it has Manchester United, it has Man City, place, it? and it, yeah. it's difficult to 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 get a foothold in it in 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 you know the area, really. But 
I, th- I think we are we are moving in the right direction. I, I think it's it's a slow burner for, for me. I, I don't I don't think you can say right. We we need to be able to get to ten thousand fans in the next sort of three to five years to 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 sort of deem our progress so far as a success. This is this for me. The way we're building it could be a, a ten year project. This where we go from sort of three to five to seven uh, thousand sort of fans, and it, it it's I don't think you can sort of think right we're going to go for 10 it's going to be happening in two years because it's, it's not going to happen like that it's, it's always going to be a slow build at Salford changing you know people's perception uh, sort of outside our bubble and what our club's all about um, I think obviously you know we talked about sort of uh, what sort of attracted you to be a Salford fan I think I was talking to a, a new fan recently and, and they said that uh, what, what they love about Salford it feels like a, a, a real family club uh, and that's that's the the kind of thing that that sort of burns that you know bright in your heart. You think, yeah, that you know people outside a bubble who do manage to get sort of get involved, sort of latch on and and then begin to love it. And it's it's a great thing. What's going on? And it's it's very exciting times. Yeah, it certainly is, and that's that's one of the things that attracted me to it all in sort of years ago when I was little. Obviously, I didn't really have a choice because my dad drummed it into me and took me. But one thing I noticed from an early age is is, is the people that go to the club. You know, my dad used to ream people off. He used to see, and you know, the likes of Dave Bainbridge, Dave Burrows, all these sort of people that you see at the game. And we used to let on to him, and he'd say, "Oh, dad, who's that?" And he'd say, "Oh, it's such a body, that's such a body." And I sort of grew up with those people, thinking, "Wow, it is like a big family, really." And, you still see those guys going to the game, no, and I think that's what makes it special. So for any new sort of fan getting involved, yeah, it is, it is like sort of a big family, and you you want the club to do well. And I go to the game, I want them to do well and win, not just for me, but for all the other people that go and have been going for years as well, because you know you know exactly what they put into it just as much as you do. They put their heart and soul into supporting them, don't they? And you know I'm lucky, and, and so are you, to have a lot of friends on Facebook who that's made it become a bit easier to keep in touch with people and. You see how they feel about the club as well. So, uh, so yeah, I know I'm getting quite nostalgic now, but it, it, and quite emotional as well. And, and that's, I think, that's a good thing. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what what the club, uh, you know, do with all, with all the uh, with all the answers. And um, you know, like I said, that the brand's you know the best it's been for for a few years. So it's all going to get better. Yeah, it certainly is, mate. And just one quick point on that. I nearly forgot to say, when you were talking about this, this sort of five or, or ten year plan, I, th- I think it's a, a timeless sort of plan because when you look at Salford, I mean, you can speak to Paul and uh, King and Ian Blaze about this. They'll probably better tell you better than me about the, the reach that the club has um, locally. But there's a lot of potential, and we say it loads of times in the podcast now with the, with the cosmopolitan area of Manchester and Salford, there's massive potential for Salford to, to get good crowds and to get good sponsorship and things like that. Whereas other clubs, Probably a bit less fortunate than you look at say Castle for an example. You know, it's like a rugby league town. They've probably got a ceiling that they can sort of go for, and they can't really get any bigger because of the the reach that they've got as a club, being like a small sort of area. Whereas us, being a city club like us, we've probably got a massive reach there. I mean, we might never get twenty thousand people watching us, but we've got something to aim for. Whereas Castle Wakefield teams like that probably haven't. So that, in a way, is, is to our to our. Um, advantage in something we've got to we've got to strive to be yeah i think i think the thing is it's, it's potential but then there's sort of realistic idea of what could happen we potentially we, we could fill out the the aj bell three times over couldn't we but realistically if we can sort of double our attendances in the next sort of 10 years that that'd be a good result for me Definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, what we we average you now maybe four thousand or so. I'm not mm. too sure about the maths, but if we could be getting eight eight thousand at the AJ Bell, I think that'd be tremendous, wouldn't it? It, it really would. Um, it'd be great to see uh, to see the stadium with that many people. I mean, atmosphere is pretty good now, isn't it? You get four, well, five or six thousand in there, but seven and eight, nine thousand would be, be be tremendous. And you wouldn't need your cardboard cutouts in any <laughs> stand. You'd have to you have to put them on the roof then, wouldn't you? So it'd be exciting, Robin. I think. Like I said before, this season's just just scuppered us a bit really. I didn't get to the grand final and obviously not being able to really build on that with, with the way things have gone with this virus and what have you. So um I think it's, for me it's just a case of getting through this season now and you know, finishing it well and we're still in both 
you know, win with a shout in the Challenge Cup, aren't we? So there's still a chance there. And that's another point I, w- I wanted to make with you. How crap's it going to be if we get to Wembley? We can't go <laughs> this season. So if Gary Everton's saying about crowds from the first of October, that'll do me because I don't know the cup finals. I think it's after that, so <laughs> we might be allowed to go. That's the thing, but there might not be a full house though. We might be like ten thousand sofa fans, maybe. Not bother as long as we can go. Long <laughs> <laughs> as long as I'm alright, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. No, I will. Well, season ticket holders and and, and people who regularly go mm-hmm. give us a ticket for from them. Johnny come late, let's gonna have one after. <laughs> I say eight thousand, eight thousand real fans, two thousand cardboard cutouts. That'll do. <laughs> So, uh, what we'll do now, we'll look forward to the Leeds game uh, on Saturday. It's time for the So, uh, Leeds, Saturday, um, big game. It certainly is, yeah. I mean, if you go back to our game against... Uh, against Hull a few weeks ago. We would like to have built on that, really. Obviously, we didn't. We had to have a week off, didn't we, or a couple of weeks off. But I think Leeds have been a bit up and down. You know, look at their results. They had a poor start to the season. They beat at home by Hull, about 30-odd points to four. They bounced back, stuffed all Kingston Rovers, and I think they beat Warrington. They nilled Warrington, didn't they? And then they got beat off St. Helens about 40-odd nil. So... They're uh, they're a bit of a funny side, aren't they? And I know Robert Louis's been on the bench the last couple of weeks. They've got a young lad in there at halfback playing with Luke Gale, Callum McClellan, I think his name is. He's supposed to be a really really good player. So they made some some interesting signings at the end of the season. Didn't they bring in Luke Gale. Over. I think a lot's expected of them after a disappointing couple of years. But I don't know. They seem a bit up and down their form at the moment. And I, th- I think now's it. Now's probably a good time to play them. Yeah, for me, Leeds are a team in transition. Uh, the glory days have gone. Um, I don't think they've bottomed out. I think I think they might have done, maybe. But this team isn't the Leeds Rhinos of sort of five, ten years ago. This team is is has some good players in it, but it's not not a brilliant team for me. Um, I think man for man, we're probably better. Um, we've got the confidence. Um, we're we're a team going in the right direction. So um, it will be difficult. It is Leeds. I think history is against us, um, but. No, I suppose not recent history because we, we beat them uh, sort of last year, didn't we, a couple of times. So, you know, I, I think, you know, Ian Watson's men, you know, they've had a, they've had a couple of weeks rest. You know, they've uh, they've been preparing for this game and I'm, I'm sure, you know, come Saturday they'll be they'll be fired up, ready to go. Yeah, this game on Saturday's our away fixture against Leeds, isn't it, as well, because we've played them at home, haven't we? So one thing we'd have to worry about, we're not playing them at Edinburgh, you know? we're playing them at the Hollywood Jones where we've, not done bad, have we, in recent season? We won there twice last season against Warrington. So that must uh, must come into to factor, really, Rob. I mean, you're playing at a neutral ground behind closed doors and that can uh, that can affect things. That Some players probably thrive on playing in front of a, a crowd, don't they? Whereas other players you know, can, can switch off and, and play in front of an empty stadium. So, so, yeah, I'm not fearing Leeds. I mean, I used to do. I used to fear playing them and... And think, blimey, it's, it's Leeds and all these these international players. You know the the likes of Simfield, Burrow, Maguire. They, they're not there now. You know the Jamie Peacock, people like that. So yeah, I, think, I still think they've got some quality players, but they're not that all round finished team anymore. I think their pack's quite predictable, um, but they've still got some explosive players. The likes of Conrad Hurrell, who, who plays out wide, he's a, he can be a real handful. And obviously Luke Gale, as I mentioned before, Robert Lewis. There's some there's some quality there, but <clears throat> I think the players we've got can, can cause them problems on on, on Saturday. I'm I'm expecting Salford to, to come up with a good result. Um, talking about results, Paul, give us your score prediction uh, for the game against Leeds. I haven't done one. I'll have to do it off the top of my head. Oh. What's your What's your thingy? <laughs> what's your... I think I think the weather's going to be all right isn't it, on Saturday. Oh, good. It's quite dry, so um, it's quite a fast pitch at Warrington as well, isn't it? Um, I'm going to, I think there'll be a few points in it. I'm going to go Salford 24, Leeds 14. 24, 24, 14 Salford. Um, so we destroyed Hull, playing some fantastic rugby. I'm I'm thinking we'll, we'll score more than 24. So I'm going to go Salford 38, Leeds 10. Self-art. 38-10. I think it's going to be, you know, I, th- I think we showed plenty in that second half against 
Hull. And I and I think we we get the we we get the afterburners turned on. Uh, we'll 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 blitz them. I think if we can play with that sort of style that we played against Hull and that sort of finishing from CO and and Reese Williams, yeah, I think if we can click like that again, I don't think Leeds are better live with us. But it's if we can produce that again. It's finding that consistency now. We did it on a regular basis last season towards the back end of the year, didn't we? And, if we can find that again, you know, we can be a real threat this season. As I said to you before, I know we've only got four points, but the league's sort of wide open, isn't it, now? And the Challenge Cup. So, uh, so yeah, but I take 24-14 or 38 points to 10. Uh, a victory will be, uh, be be a great result for us. Yeah, so fantastic podcast. Really enjoyed this one, Paul, getting back into the old routine. Yeah, it's been quite a marathon one, this one. We've done quite a bit... Uh, quite a bit tonight considering you said to me before we started we've hardly got anything <laughs> we, we managed to fill the time all right didn't we hopefully yeah enjoyed it though mate really really good yeah big thanks for tuning to this week's podcast Abra Parkson you can find us on Facebook Devil in Detail SRD you can find us on Twitter at DITD SRD and you can find us on SoundCloud iTunes and Radio Contact so thanks for listening and we'll see you next week